And we're back right before early signing day. Listen, we are going to be exhausted, ready to get some sleep, probably tired of recording videos by the end of uh, Christmas because, listen, uh, early signing day does not need to be on the week of Christmas. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's just too many videos to make with family coming in town and everything else. But uh, to each his own. Today, I'm joined by uh, Drew England with the Under Official Review podcast and Jay with Unfair Sports. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. What's going on? You guys ready to talk some uh, early signing day Oklahoma football? Always. A lot going on, man. It's, yeah. uh, it's going to be a, a humdinger. In the words of Hayes Fawcett, it's going to be crazy. It is. It's going to oh. be crazy. So, and uh, it looks like Boomer wants to make an appearance over here. There he says go. the camera is on. So, um, well, let's just go ahead and start off with it. David Hicks, I know uh, all OU fans, uh, listen, they want to ride this train as long as they possibly can. As long as he has not signed on the paper, we believe we have a shot, uh, which, I mean, OU's probably got a pretty good shot, good relationship with Todd Bates uh, in the staff here. But ultimately, it looks like probably David Hicks will end up being an Aggie, uh, it will not end up flipping to OU. Uh, just from everything it seems like, uh, I think really the biggest piece to fall is Damian Sanford. If you land Sanford, you probably get Hicks. So, um, you know, Drew, we'll start with you, and then we'll just move on down to Jay. Well, the interesting part is about the David, the whole David Hicks, Hicks saga. It's been like a soap opera. So when he was was making his uh, initial commitment, was that like September, October, something like that? Everybody, all signs pointed to OU, and then right there, the the ten minutes before he was signing. Boom, I'm going to AM. Announces it on ESPN. I'm going to AM. So we were like, all right, well, we're out of that one. Okay, let's move on, all that stuff. But then you started seeing all this smoke build back up and started getting some some tread on the tires once again. You know, it's it's like that old ex-girlfriend. You're like, all right, man, I, I do I still like her? Yeah. All right, well, she's committed somewhere else. And then you find out, well, maybe it, you know, it's not going so well over there or something's going on. And then she, you know, she kind of reels you back in and once again, we've been reeled back in by the David Hicks recruiting, but I think at the end of the day, and another positive is that he's, you know, supposedly not going to sign tomorrow or uh, on early signing day. He's going to wait until the Under Armour game or or whatever it is. And so there's another positive, maybe you know that we have some more time to to keep trying. But for me, you know, if you had to ask me, I, I still think it's it's pointing towards A and M. But hey, you never know at this point with uh, with the whole Hicks thing. So. That's just that's just my feelings right there with that. No, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, the the entire piece, he's a very highly coveted player. So it's, it makes sense that he's going to get a ton of attention. And that's something that you would expect from someone like them. And then, of course, Texas A&M has been infamous for the way that they acquire their players. And so it's going to be a lot of stuff going on on the back channeling and information back there. So for me, I kind of think that with Damian uh, Sanford, just like you mentioned, PG, he's probably the most important piece in this puzzle. If he decides that Texas A&M isn't for him and Oklahoma gives him a better chance of playing, starting, or even just money itself, I can totally see Sanford coming in and Hicks deciding to follow. A lot of people were saying that that was one of the reasons why he picked A&M, just because of comfort. He wanted to go somewhere where he knew somebody. But at the same time, a&M's not very far from where he's at. I mean, he's in Katy, Texas. So it's what, like an hour and a half, two-hour drive to get up there to College Station. And so that, that to me, is probably more comforting for him than it is him having Sanford there. So if Sanford decides to, you know, flip and choose Oklahoma, I don't, I don't think that's a guarantee for David Hicks. It will probably be a good thing, but I don't think it's a guarantee. But I do think that Oklahoma is still in the running for him mainly because he's still in communication with Ty Bates. And so we can never rule him out uh, in the long term. And a lot of people still have their crystal balls up for Oklahoma on Hicks. So we'll just see what happens. Yeah, another yeah. guy, too, you're talking about D-line. Another guy, too, and the guy that's going to make his decision early signing day is Tassilia Kana. I know a lot of smoke was happening about Oklahoma. They, they were in a great spot, and they still are in a great spot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to raise any red flags. But, you know, once again – Coach Prime and, and Colorado reeling some guys in, really, really on the recruiting trail here. Um, you know, making a push for for Akana here in the late later stages and late hours of of this uh, early signing period. So that one right there is going to be 
one, you're talking about D-line and stuff like that. That's one that I'm really going to be following closely uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, D-lineman and, and, and somebody that we could hopefully, you know, put that recruitment to bed and, and really lock him up. That would be a, a, a great step in the, in the right direction and, and continuing that momentum for uh, a guy like Hicks, a guy like Stanford uh, as well. So, yeah, if you lose out on Akana, uh, you almost have to earn Hicks, right? You almost have to go get that commitment. Uh, the interesting thing about Akana is, and I know some of you guys might jump in the comments about this and be like, well, oh, Colorado, uh, they just got in. Well, uh, he announced his finalists, and you know, Louisville was not in his finalists, and he just took <laughs> a visit there. Uh, yep. So that's why you think, oh, well, this Colorado stuff, which we're not just thinking, like we've heard things about how that, visit went uh it, it, it went pretty well and it's closer to utah uh you know he didn't go back to hawaii after um you know playing yeah. a season in utah uh to go yeah back a lot home, of people so. think that yes it says on his birth certificate he's from hawaii utah is home for him like that's yeah. it's been home for a while that's where he he lives he is he is from utah so he is that's his hometown so yeah um and anytime Deion said coach Sanders is in in any kind of recruitment they always have a fighting chance as we've you know covered and I know Jay you've done some videos on Colorado and their ability to 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 recruit anytime prime is 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 on a recruiting trail and 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 talking to a kid he's got a he's got a puncher's chance absolutely so nobody's out of out of reach for uh for coach prime yeah, nobody's out of reach, and I'll be dropping a video on that later about uh, the potential recruits that I've heard that they could land, and they've got a pretty solid class. Now, it might be right now made up a lot of three stars, but they're in on a lot of four- and five-star recruitments that potentially could sway their way, and you know, what I'm about to say goes the same way for Oklahoma and any other team. Players have a chance to sign here on the 21st, but for the players that don't sign somewhere on the 21st, even if they're crystal ball to go to that place, all of a sudden that recruitment is wide open yep. because if they're sold on the place, why would they wait longer? Exactly. Right? Put That's into the paper. So yep. uh, even if they've said they're committed uh, or they've got the crystal ball somewhere, uh, Oklahoma yep. has a shot. Colorado has a shot. Well, Alabama's and, got a shot. And back to the point about Hicks, you know, he doesn't sign tomorrow. It, it, it gives Oklahoma and Todd Bates more of an opportunity to build that relationship because then you're like, all right, well, why isn't he, is he going to just not sign with A&M? Is he completely sold? And so that's another encouraging thing. If you don't see David Hicks sign tomorrow, um, or he may just be, you know, throwing, throwing the, uh, throwing the smoke up like he did, you know, in his ESPN, uh, you know, uh, commitment. So you never know, man, it could be uh, Hey, I'm just messing with him and I'm just going to go ahead and sign with A&M or, Hey, I'm gonna keep keep this thing going. But the longer it goes, the better chance Oklahoma has for that one for sure. Imagine an early signing day where David Hicks commits to Colorado. Hey, yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unrealistic, but it'd be hilarious. Travis Hunter 2.0. Travis Hunter 2.0 right there. Speaking of that one, that's gonna be. I know we're talking OU, but that's gonna be a good one. That's gonna be interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't need no Colorado fans jumping in on this video telling me that I'm off my rocker for thinking that Travis Hunter ain't gonna call or go to Colorado. For real. Uh, so they're yeah, they get highly offended on that one. Uh, hey, but one guy we know is gonna sign, and we're excited. We've been excited since July or whatever it was. But Jackson Arnold, really excited to get him going and and getting him in. Well, that's one guy we we are. I I don't want to say 100 for certain, but 100 for certain. I think Jackson Arnold, that's going to be fun to finally get him, you know, officially, you know, signed on the dotted line after all the all the great things he's done and and everything like that. And uh, just being a great ambassador to to OU recruiting, he's helped a lot, uh, a lot of these guys, you know, pointing them towards OU. And so uh, that'll be uh, be good to good to get him in and uh, getting him learning the system. Listen, I don't know about you, but uh Notre Dame's got a good shot to flip Jackson Arnold, from what I hear. <laughs> PG, stop. Jay, don't think that that's funny. Jay doesn't think that that's funny. Jay, listen, hey. the listen. I think that one that everybody. I think the one everybody's really excited for tomorrow is the announcement of Peyton Bowen, and where will he end up signing? Because sounds like Peyton Bowen really wants to be at Oklahoma. 
But it sounds like dad really wants him to be at Oregon and mom really wants him to be at Notre Dame. If Jimbo had his say in it, he'd be an Aggie, which, listen, yeah. Peyton Bowen's taking visits what, there. What does what Eli want, too? you got to ask him, too. So, you know, you gotta, it's a whole family affair, you know? Yeah, it, it seems like <laughs> – I don't I don't know what's worse, the Bowen saga or the David Hicks saga. I mean, uh, definitely the David Hicks. I don't know, though, cause because the Bowen Peyton Bowen did not get on ESPN and, and completely, you know, flip everybody's, you know, minds and, and everything like that and just could totally throw them for a loop and – and say you're, you know, going to OU, all that, and the coaches didn't know until, what, 10 or 15 minutes before he got on and, and made the decision. So I would say definitely Peyton or David Hicks. But, I mean, hey, depending on what happens tomorrow, could be could be Peyton Bowen. So Could be Peyton Bowen. Jay, what do you think about Peyton Bowen? How are you feeling? Honestly, I, I'm, I'm leaning heavy Oklahoma as well, um, just the way that everybody's pointing at it. Now, of course, crystal balls aren't 100%. But, you know, when Will Fong drops one, he bats he bats at the 900 realm, yeah, uh, almost big. close to 1,000. And so yeah. because of that, it's probably something to take to the bank. I mean, one of his biggest misses was David Hicks to Oklahoma, and that coming at the, at the, the 10th hour um, in that entire recruiting cycle. So, I mean, I honestly think that Bowen's going to end up picking Oklahoma. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like Notre Dame really has a fighting chance in this, even though – even though everyone's reporting that, you know, the conversations are going very well. What it sounds like to me is that he has a very hard time telling people no. And he's just one of those kids that is just too nice. Yeah, and he's just like, you know, my answer. He's, yeah. yeah, he's like, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Because at the same time, this is a very high profile recruiting cycle for him. Yeah. Oklahoma is literally the perfect scenario. It's close to home. His girlfriend signed there to play soccer. And one of his best friends, his current quarterback, is going to play there and lead the school for a while. That's tough for you to make that decision. And yeah. Notre Dame, great education. You not can't knock that. But a degree is a degree. I mean, the biggest thing is going to be the alumni base and where you get connections from there. And I know Oklahoma people with Oklahoma degrees all over the world. So it's not like a degree from Notre Dame just changes you that much, especially as, a, as an athlete. The bigger thing with that is the connections and stuff, and there's a ton of connections everywhere. And with Peyton Bowen, he's probably going to go pro. He's more built to be a professional athlete than anything. And, yeah, Notre Dame has put out some some safeties over, over the last couple of years. They've got, like, three in the NFL right now. Oklahoma has as well in the past. And under the Brent Venables regime, they put out some solid safeties as played in the pros. And so I can see Peyton coming to Oklahoma mainly because it's close. His girlfriend's there. Jackson Arnold is there and making that home. It's going to be tough for me to go against Wilt Fong on this one. Where do you – and for, for this question too, and I know we, we heard a little bit of smoke about Oregon. Where do you guys think about that? And do they even have – are they even in, still in play for, for that? Oh, no, I think they're in a great position – for uh, one, David Hicks, but two, uh, Peyton Bowen. Uh, you know, Oregon, uh, I would say they're the Oklahoma of the West because they're consistently up there. You mean not USC? <laughs> no, nah, definitely not them. <laughs> uh, they're not there yet. Uh, but no, like Oregon is consistently, Oregon's consistently one of those teams that's just good, right? Yeah like Oklahoma. And every once in a while, you'll see them try to go out there and compete for a championship. Now, hopefully with Oklahoma, that changes. Hopefully they're competing for it every single year. Uh, but no, I think they've put themselves in a good position for both. I just, I don't think they land Bowen. I think it's too far away. Yeah. Um, but well, you never you know. Phil, Phil Knight in your, in your back pocket doing some work for you too. You're always in, you know, in with some guys as well. There's that still that appeal and that draw to, uh, to come out to uh, Eugene because, you know, having, having, you know, a different Jersey, every game, you know, appeals to guys. So, yeah, I think the telling tell though, of how, you know, Oregon's in a good spot is literally right before, uh, you know, all the in-home visits were supposed to be done. Peyton Bowen almost took a visit to Oregon on the weekend that Brent Venables was supposed to be coming on his in-home visit. You know, luckily that got canceled and Venables was able to go to that, but uh, you know that's how you know he's in a good that that Oregon's in a good spot because they almost landed him that weekend for a visit, which would have probably thrown a huge wrench in Oklahoma and Notre Dame's plans. 
I'll say this. I'll feel a lot more confident about the Bowen commitment if Tom Lloyd decides to flip his crystal ball. I know that, um, you know, Wilt Fong is just undefeated, but here's my thing. When you still have insiders like uh, a Cody Nagel with OSU or a Tom Loy over at Notre Dame or Brandon Drum or Park Thune with Oklahoma, if they still think the guy is committed to them and they're not willing to flip their crystal ball yet, then obviously they know something, right? Then that means they still feel like they have a puncher's chance. The moment that you see them flip their crystal balls, it's waving the white flag. And so far, Tom Loy has not done that. Tom Loy has stuck tried and true to his uh, crystal ball, which that's the other thing about the crystal balls that I necessarily like. You know, we've heard it so many times where Drum and Thune are not supposed to be putting in balls for somebody. And it's like kind of hurts their chances sometimes because if they got them in for somebody to go somewhere and they can't flip it, then counts as a loss for them. Same thing for Fong. I mean, I bet it happens to Fong sometimes. So uh, it's definitely something to watch and something interesting to see throughout the recruiting cycle. Uh, how do the uh, home insiders uh, choose to crystal ball you and do they choose to flip them? So Sure. Yeah, you know, like like you said, Lloyd, you know, in his most recent post, he said he's been wanting – he's been at the, the edge of switching to Oklahoma, but new intel's making him feel like he should wait. And that to me tells me that he's going to probably pick Oklahoma. If Lloyd thinks that, yeah, I'm, I need to switch mine with Wilt Fong as well as Brandon Drum, but because new intel has come in, you're going to get a bunch of intel that's going to come in um, of conversations they've had with the player. Because like I said, he seems like he's just really nice. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> really it to me. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Like everybody else has made, the, made this a, big, a bigger scenario than he has because he hasn't said anything. I think that's the most interesting thing about all of this is that we're all hearing hearsay. We ain't heard a single thing from Peyton Bowen. Like even with David Hicks, we're hearing from his dad that's talking about the stuff and he's probably speaking for his kiddo because he's still trying to figure out what he really wants to do. But Peyton Bowen, it's been crickets from him and really his camp. It's all the insiders and the sources and the sources on the sources really trying to really drumming this up. So it's become a lot more dramatic on him without him even trying to do that. He just hasn't said anything. And I appreciate the fact that he's just like, I'm going to wait to the end to make my decision because for him, he does, he is going to enroll early. So no matter which school he goes to, he'll be there in the spring. He'll be enrolled in January. And so for him, it's just now deciding, okay, which one do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think we're going to get a real telling tell tomorrow of how like does Peyton Bowen to have his decision made up because tomorrow when he goes to that table and I'm assuming it's going to be hats and the hats are sitting on the table. It, it, <laughs> If, if he picks it up pretty quickly or he's doing all these shenanigans where he's throwing them off, he knows where he wants to go. My question is, how long does it take him to actually pick up the hat that he wants to go to? Because I feel like Peyton Bowen might sit there for a second and he might double think himself before he actually picks up the hat. So well, it's going to be interesting to watch, uh, especially since I think a lot of people are saying that Peyton Bowen probably could be the best safety in this class. And I know you got Caleb Downs, top 10 player, uh, committed to Alabama. But Peyton Bowen is that talent because I think he's a little bit more talented, uh, maybe at a little bit more positions than Caleb Downs. I know Caleb Downs played running back in high school, and he probably could be a five-star running back if he was, you know, decided to be a running back in this class. But I think Peyton Bowen, you know, a lot of people are saying he could be the best safety. Uh, you know, I think he probably is the best safety in this class. Well, probably you also get a great, great guy in the return game too as well. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, yeah, kind of like what you have with uh, oh, what's his name? I can't think of his name at the moment. The other safety that we have at the moment, Billy Bowman. Billy Bowman, and they're both from Denton. So yeah, they're both from Denton. One's one actually went to Denton High School. One of them went to Denton Geyer. So Denton Ryan and Denton Geyer. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but moving on to Jay's hot recruit of the season. Marcus Strong, sounds like OU is in a pretty good spot for him. Jay, what do you think about Marcus Strong? Hey, man, I've been hot on this dude ever since we started talking about him after the uh, talking to him after the Colton Vasek flip. It's he he looks like he's been under recruited and underrated. The big thing about him is you know 
with his name being Marcus Strong, dude got some strong hands, and that's pun intended. Mm-hmm. And watching his film, the dude grabs kids like a toddler grabs a toy, and you can't pry their little hands off of it or something they ain't supposed to have. If anybody's been around toddlers and kids, you understand exactly what I'm saying. That's how strong his hands are when he be snatching up folks. And that's kind of what we need is someone that can get a hold of some of these shifty running backs we deal with in the Big 12 and hold on to them for dear life until everybody else can come through and put the finishing touches on them or finish them off themselves. So looking at the intel, it looks like we do have a really good chance and we're in a really good spot with Marcus. Um, I expect him to end up picking the Sooners, coming to Norman and and showing out. I think he he can be a special talent um, in the rotation. I still have my one favorite player out of everybody in the class, and we'll talk about that a little later. But I do really think that Marcus Strong will end up in Oklahoma. Yeah, and Marcus Strong is going to be able to provide some much-needed um, size to that defensive line. And I think a lot of what the Sooners were missing this year. Drew, what's your thought on Marcus Strong? Yeah, I'd like like to you know I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I think we feel like we, we're in a good spot with with him. Um, and like like Jay said, everything right there, he's got the intangibles, everything to be a, a good fit for our program and and for our defense, and uh, would be really 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 good to see him sign uh, with with us and get him in here and and get him going because you know that's a, adds another depth uh, a piece of, of depth to uh, to what we're trying to do on defense and and just a a, a good fit. I think uh, schematically for uh, for Venables and, and that defense, so I like it. Hope we uh, hope we're able to get him. Yes, and then the only other guy that I expect to maybe see uh, signing as a Sooner, uh, potentially as a preferred walk on, would be Landon Sides. Two four seven has him ranked as a three star, uh, but he is still not ranked in the composite. Uh, being Jackson Arnold's favorite target at Denton Geyer, uh, one of the thing that I think is interesting about some of these Geyer kids is I think some of them are underrated because they're having, you know, the Denton Geyer team is just so talented that I think it's so easy a lot of the time to say, oh, well, they're having success because their team is so talented. And I feel like Landon Sides maybe is having a little bit of that hit him right now where it's like, yeah, he's got a five-star quarterback and Jackson Arnold throwing to him. And so, uh, yeah, I think the kid's a little underrated, but I think he could be a guy that comes in, especially to the wide receiver room for Oklahoma next year, uh, especially with the news that we might be missing out on tees where you're starting to see the crystal balls flow in for him to go to A&M. Um, yep. You know, having sides potentially come in and uh, be that wide receiver that you were uh, potentially going to lose with Anthony Evans uh, is a big is, is, is a big win. You know, target yep. for Arnold. Uh I think it's a good – and, you know, he runs a pretty fast 100. So, yeah. Drew, what's your thoughts on landing the sides? I, I, yeah, to, to go on to your point, I think it's just another – if we're able to get – you know, and I think defensive guys, solid defensive commits is what we need right now. And to get another guy like that, and, you you know, we were talking, uh, you know, about strong and, and those type of kids, they don't come around too often. And anytime you have uh, the, uh, the opportunity to set your sights on them and, and, and get them to sign – you know, moving forward, uh, you need guys like that going into the SEC. So, um, yeah, another it'd be a, another really good pickup for uh, for Oklahoma. And another dude too that I want to talk about to to stay around the Denton area. Uh, another Denton Ryan kid, Caleb Hicks, would be another good addition to the to the running back room. And I'm excited to uh, to see his future um, for Oklahoma as well. I know we're talking about a lot of these guys and. Rightfully so, they're up there. But but a guy, a, a three star, probably should be a four star, uh, who's got size. He's five eleven, about two hundred pounds. Can run the rock. He's quick. He's got you know that that versatility. Um, Hicks is a, a a guy, the Hicks that we're for sure probably going to land. Um, I'm excited about him too. Just to uh, just to kind of piggyback off of the other some guys that that uh, that you guys are watching. Uh, but for me, uh, Caleb Hicks from Denton. Is uh is one that I'm I'm pretty pumped about. Well, let's uh move into this a little bit. I want to hear who are you guys most excited to see uh, in terms of a recruit in this 2023 class, and uh, you know I'll start with it. You know the guys on the radio today uh, they talked about Petaway, especially uh, in the special teams and how you know he could make a huge impact there. Um, and I agree with exactly everything they said today. Extremely 
uh, undervalued wide receiver in this class. And, you know, ultimately I see that with a lot of guys that Oklahoma picked up. Oklahoma picked up a lot of guys that were maybe just undervalued this year in terms of the rankings. Uh, but in terms of a guy that I'm just really excited to see, I'm really excited to see what Samuel Omosigo is going to be able to do in his yeah. career at Oklahoma. He's the four-star linebacker. You know, he's 6'1", 208 pounds. I feel like this, this kid's able to put on probably another 25, 30 pounds. Uh, you know, he's going to be a tremendous linebacker, I feel like, in Venable system. Uh, and I really like what he's going to be able to bring to the Sooners in 2023. So uh, I'll, I'll let you go, Drew, and then we'll let uh, Jay go after that. Yeah, so two guys that I, I, I said Hicks, um, but probably the most that I'm excited to see and a guy who has really kind of kept the trajectory going um, is P.J. Atabari. I love this kid, man. Got a motor, unbelievable hands. He's got great technique. Um, uh, need more guys to rush the passer. Very long, 6'4", about 250, somewhere right there. And, he, he, he you know, number one recruit in the state. Of, of Missouri and, and number four at his position, five-star recruit. I think a lot of people, yes, are talking about Jackson Arnold, talking about Peyton Bowen, but a guy that I really am excited to see is PJ Atabari. And then another, another kid that, that I'm really, I like offense too, because I'm an offensive coach. Uh, yeah. Hicks, but uh, another guy and uh, that I really, really um, am excited to see is Dalen Smothers um, from Charlotte. Another back that's a, uh, could come in and help us with with versatility you know in that room you're you're obviously going to get Javante Barnes is probably going to be the guy that's going to be your quote featured back uh coming out but you got a lot of speed a lot of talent and and guys that could really really help out the offense next year and and um you know you could have a one two three four five punch back there in the backfield who knows but those are some guys that I'm I'm really excited about Yeah, so for me, kind of like Drew here. So one, I think one thing to be, look at about this team is that we've got seven players in the top 100 yep. on the composite. That's huge. Um, that means that this is this this class has a ton of talent. And but the one I the two players that really I'm the most stoked about is number one PJ Adabawa. He's probably the one person in the class. I'm he's my number one guy. Yeah. Top number one is of uh, in the state, of course. But that 6'4", 240 frame. Yep. He's only played football for what two years? Yeah. And, that's and he's absurd. Yeah. He reminds me of Javon Curse. I've talked about this a few times. That's a great, a few streams, great but he reminds great. me of Javon Curse. He's got that freak, freakish athlete ability, big. He has a seven foot wingspan at six foot four. So he's got the long arms, he's got the big hands, and he's got the technique to get around people. Just yep. he's he's absurdly athletic. And once someone helps him to uh polish his game. Dude's going to be a monster on the Ed side. Honestly, I think he could come in there and start taking somebody's jobs just because I know he's a freak of nature out there. So I'm really stoked to see him get out there and play. He's my number one. And honestly, my number two is still on the defensive side, especially because this class is heavy on the defense. You know, offensively, we've always recruited really good players. Jaquez Petaway is going to be a monster at receiver, being a, was he a top, um, top 70 player in the country? He's going to be really good. He's fast. He's he's going to do everything that we missed from Anthony Evans. It would have been nice to have both, but at the same time, we got Petaway, and Petaway's going to come up there, and he's going to wreck shop. But the dude that I'm really excited about is Makari Seatbelt Vickers. At safety, I know we talk about Peyton Bowen a lot. Uh, I, I think Seatbelt's got a lot more – got a lot of dog in him, and I think he's going to be somebody – he's going to be absurdly talented. And, and a, so a taller, taller safety, too, something that we – haven't done a good job of recruiting in the past. Six one, six two guy, you know, big safety in the back end. That's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to see what what uh, Vickers does out there. Um, in the return, as actually at the safety spot, I could see him going strong. Peyton at the free a couple of years down the line. Once uh once all these uh, Tulsa boys start to roll um rotate out, but yeah, right now we never it's gonna be crazy. Out. We're nine one eight strong boy. Well, I mean, once they graduate or they go pro early, you can't we get another. We can bring, bring <laughs> them in. 
got time yeah, well, here. I say that. I'll say this. Uh, I don't think that we're going to find anybody that's going to replace a young player that's going to replace Bowen and Vickers yeah, uh, once they get in the I rotation. Don't, I don't have but, on the radar yet, but I'll, I'll Yeah, but we'll have talent. We'll have talent coming, yeah. but I don't think we'll have anybody replace those. I think those two are going to be special. Uh, with each other, but like right Absolutely. now, we've got a uh, Robert Spears Jennings that's going to be doing some things in Jaden Rowe. Both of them are going to be monstrous once they really get some playing time. So yeah, I really am excited about Vickers. Well, and then you can add, um, you know, some of these transfers and some guy like Kendall Dalby. You know, some of these other guys in, in that defensive backfield that we could potentially be looking at some really solid back end players on the defensive side here for for a couple years to come. So a lot of great talent, like Jay was saying. In this class, you got some transfer guys, you got some JUCO guys coming in. It could really be, uh, really be, uh, really be good for uh, for our defense, especially in uh, when you're talking DBs. All right. Well, I want to move on to one more thing before we let y'all go for the night. Top five flips in 2023 so mm-hmm. far that we have. So uh, I saw on three put this out. And I thought it was an interesting little topic. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. What are maybe some of your top five flips that you've had uh, that have happened this season? Uh, you know, I think for me uh, personally, uh, definitely you got to put Caden Proctor, which just happened today up there at the top for Alabama. That one's huge. Like, you know, I, he yeah. might be the best tackle in this class, which now I know the kid and I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Cause I know I ain't going to be able to get it down at Miami could give him a run for that. But uh, ultimately I think Caden's probably the biggest one. Um, what are some of the biggest flips that you guys have this year? Jay, go ahead. Are we talking about Cormani? No, I'm talking about Caden Proctor. Uh, there they have uh, Francis. Uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Mui Goal. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I got to see honest. his name so I can pronounce it properly. But yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, no flip wise, man. Honestly, Dante Moore is probably the bigger one to me. Oh, like yeah, going yeah, from cool. going from what Oregon to UCLA. I mean. Chip Kelly's doing some stuff. Yep. And I think that's something that it needs to get recognized recognition more. It took some time. And the one thing I appreciate about UCLA's approach was, is that we're going to give you some time to really redo everything at the school. We're not going to rush you. We're not going to force your hand every year. We've seen progress uh, progress. So as long as we maintain progress and start and in, in, in have some winning seasons, we're not going to trip out, kind of like the Stanford approach, uh, which was really good for them. That was a great thing to keep Chip Kelly around. And now he's starting to look like he's going to build some of these teams like he had at Oregon in the past. And him being able to steal Dante Moore like that, that was mm-hmm. huge. I remember, PG, when you texted me about it, I was like, all right, well, let me know when he flips. Because I, I, I hear, I've been hearing rumors about players flipping like crazy and none of them do it. And so I, I proceed with, I'm cautiously optimistic about that kind of stuff just because. A lot of it, if it ain't the player saying it, it's these sources, sources, sources. It's hard to just pinpoint what's actually going to happen until it truly goes down. And, and the Dante Moore one was, was still kind of shocking because I don't even think really anybody put in a crystal ball uh, like heavily on him actually making that flip. But it I was mainly on three that had really put in the wa- uh, watch. Yep. Right. They put predictions in and that was it. They were the only ones. You know, I didn't see a future cast from rivals. I didn't see any crystal balls from... 24 7 really so i was shocked to see that move happen but at the same time hey man that tells you what um what uh chip kelly's doing out there he's 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 doing some special stuff he is i probably i would probably uh agree with you there uh thinking about it yeah dante moore probably another one but uh you know some 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 ones that are not flips but guys that'll be interesting to see where they end up um, some transfer portal guys that that I'll be interested to see because I thought DJU was going to go to UCLA, but now with with Dante going out there, I don't know if it, he ends up out there, but uh, he's one to watch. And then obviously one guy that I um, didn't expect who was not really a flip, but um, the uh, NC State quarterback going to Kentucky, that's mm, a really yeah. great fit. I think there. So not really a flip, but just some guys that I uh, 
you know, I tend to watch the transfer portal and see where these some of these guys end up and all that. And uh, but yeah, more uh, certainly I think is is up there in the in the top five flips. And then uh, depending on where David Hicks ends up signing, uh, could be another another one. And then if Peyton Bowen, if you want to call him a flip, you could you could chuck his name in there too as well. So yeah, listen, I had another OU, one. Oh, you could dominate. Uh, the biggest decommitments and flips of the season uh, because, I, I, you know, you talked about Dante Morje, but what about Malachi Nelson? And I know that was a long Ooh. time ago, but Malachi Nelson, uh, the top-ranked – no, no, the third top – no, the third-ranked quarterback in this class. At the time, Nico. yeah. Yeah, you know, Malachi Nelson is, uh, I think – you know, I, I've told you guys, I think he's a transcendent talent. I think he's really good. Uh, I think he's probably the best quarterback in this class, in my opinion. Um, you know, maybe Jackson Arnold might be right behind him. Uh, but that was a huge decommitment for Oklahoma because that really shaped what their class was going to look like. You know, I'd probably put Dante more right behind him. Keon mm -hmm. Keeley at number three. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Keeley's a Ruben, big one. You have Ruben Owens. To yes, that was the one I was going to say. Yeah, I think Ruben, the Ruben Owens yeah. ones was huge, seeing that jump. And to be honest, on the Malachi one, I don't think that that one's a big one, only because he followed his coach, yep. the coach that recruited him. Well, and here's him. the like, thing to consider is he, he decommits and goes to USC, we never would get Jackson Arnold. True, correct. True. So it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah, I would take. Guys. I would take personally. I take Jackson over Malachi. Yep, I agree. Um, and 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 this is and this is one reason why I would do that is the re the exact reason why Jackson Arnold is coming to Oklahoma and he followed Levy because Jackson was probably going to end up at Ole Miss if Levy was still there because he he run they run the same offense at Denton Geyer as they do here at Oklahoma. So the only thing difference is verbiage. And so when Jackson walks in, he's going to have a head start on anybody else. Because he already knows the offense. Everything's the same. They, they look for the same ratios down there as they, we do here. It's a little bit more. We add additional layers to it to yep. make it a little bit more complex. And but his head coach worked with Levy for years. Yep. So because they, they know each other, they run similar sets. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be so much easier for him to walk in. And that's kind of like what I was talking about. And we talked about in the green room that Jackson has a good chance of pulling like a Trevor Lawrence and walking in and taking the job a few games in because – He'll know everything about it, and he's very mobile. So he, he can do a combination of pass and run. Now, Malachi, I think he's a transcendent talent. Um, he'll do fantastic yeah. in the Lincoln-Riley system. He a, a, a and I'm not by any means, so don't people don't freaking crucify me in the comments. He could be a little, under, a little undersized Josh Allen before it's all said and done. With that skill set, the ability to run a little bit, dual threat like that, the ability to throw the ball, big-time arm talent. Uh, could potentially be a Josh Allen type of player moving forward. Now I'm not saying he's going to be Josh Allen, so, but he's he's that's that's kind of a comparison that I could potentially see um, for Jackson Arnold. Yep. Honestly, I think that's a little extreme, only because of well, just, just how big just, and physical. That's what I'm saying. A little under Josh Allen is. Yeah. I'd give him more of a Joe Burrow. I think he could be yeah, a Joe he Burrow. He's got uh, the Joe accuracy. Can't run like they, they can. He could in college, but he just yeah, didn't but, have to. He didn't have to. I mean, I mean, when you got those monsters receivers, yeah, you got to LSU. Off the, the too, <laughs> try to run it down the field. So. Exactly. LSU didn't even just have those monster receivers. Yeah, they but he can't. He can't too. run away from people though, like Jackson Arnold can. Oh no, no, Jackson's got a little bit more athletic. Than, yeah. I say he's more That's athletic, Joe Burrow. It's a little bit of a Josh Allen comparison. I don't think he's as physical as Josh though. No, that's no, the only no, reason why no, I say because no, because that's and, and that's and that's really Josh Allen's game is just that he's Cam Newton. He's literally Cam Newton with uh with more accuracy at at this and he's age. Got a better, he's he's got better fashion. That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who likes what. So fashion right. is subject subjective. So I, I will say that fashion subjective. I'm not a Cam Newton fashion guy, but fashion subjective. So I'll I'll say that. But go. no, I think that I th but I do I do like what Josh uh, what Jackson Arnold is going to bring to the table with sure. his athleticism. I mean, hell, he could be. He's probably he's probably a more athletic Baker Mayfield if you really think about uh, it. Yeah, and Baker could scoop. Hopefully, he doesn't have a pro career like Baker does. But yeah, hey, we'll see. Baker's did did he, did he win last night? No. Ah, oh, dang! I was hoping he'd be. They weren't going to win that game. They're oh. too injured. 
That that team is too yeah, depleted for them up. to for him to win anything. We but give another, we give another excuse to Baker. Drew, I mean, we know you don't like Baker. <laughs> that's kind of the truth, though. I mean, True. he's in I'm a stable saying, organization yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. He he is in a stable organization, and I kind of like uh, the fit with Sean because uh, Sean reminds me a lot of Lincoln Riley in the way that he runs his offense. Sure. Yeah. And so story. I think I think uh, Baker could potentially fit really well uh, with the Rams, maybe find himself a more permanent home. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. He's not going to beat out Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's, Stafford's done. getting old. He's he he's old. Yeah, he might, he Stafford's might done. I think his career might be over. He could be, yeah. But and, and, they, yeah, and they were talking about his spine. That spinal injury is potentially yeah. career ending. Yeah. And here's the thing: even if the Rams get a quarterback this class, why would you play him next year? Like let it like let True. the quarterback sit behind Baker, you know, and you know, and, and you never know. Baker might show out and start out next year, and then you've got a longer opportunity yep. for your quarterback got, to sit there. And they're not getting a quarterback this. They're not getting a quarterback this draft though. Mm -mm. So their Baker, pick is gone to Detroit. So hopefully, oh yeah, I forgot in the Stafford trade because they traded yeah, them all away. They, they traded their picks away, so. Yep. That's why Baker's there. Baker, and as we go into the Baker conversation, Baker's there specifically because they want to see what he can do. And if they feel like he's a he's a good opportunity to move forward with until they can get a better pick later, then he's yep. going to be a bridge player, which I don't think is a problem, especially with McVay, because McVay's offense is the quarterback anyway. That's kind of like him and how Kyle Shanahan runs their offenses. They're the quarterback. The quarterback is just there to actually physically throw the ball. They tell you where to go. They set, give you all the sets, and they're so creative with it. Just like you said, perfect perfect comparison with Lincoln Riley is that yeah, the offense is simple enough that he can tell you, hey, based upon this set, throw it here. I promise you the guy be open. And every time, the guy's a butt naked open. So well, I hope he's got one more chance. So hope he hope he makes good on this one. I hope so too. Uh, I would uh, like to be able to get a permanent Baker jersey. And hey, I, I would like I, I'm pulling for Baker. <laughs> I know, I know. You don't like Baker. It's okay. Hey, we'll it's let the I Sooner don't fans... like him. I'm a realist. We'll just let the Sooner fans. Hey, is it Baker's fault or is it Lincoln Riley's fault for not being able to uh, enable these quarterbacks to go be great in the NFL? Ooh. It's a good question. I mean, it's fair, fair question. I mean. If you want my opinion on it, coaching matters at that level. Absolutely. Especially at, at the, in the NFL. And if you don't have stability, you're not going to be good. Yep. You can't go through five coordinators in no, five years. You got different factors as well. Offensive line, playmakers around you, scheme, all that stuff. So, but, you know, it's. it's no, no quarterback at the talent level of Baker Mayfield in five years. Alex Smith was a great example of that too. He went through seven and eight. And when he got to Andy Reid, he got, st state, got stability. Guess what? He was really good. Only yep. thing that sucked for him is Patrick Mahomes was on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the only thing. You, that, was a, yeah, that was a little you, bit you, of a... You don't start Alex Smith over, uh, over Patrick Mahomes the second year. First year, yes. Second year, no. Yep. So, yeah. I've got an interesting one for you guys. Top five OU quarterbacks of all time. Since we're talking about Baker Mayfield, this is just—I I was thinking about this the other night while I was laying in bed, Ooh. and this is a this is a hard conversation mm, because there's been a lot of them. But I—I'm gonna go I, modern. Uh, Make it modern. Do you have to go like like, like number in order, or you just? No, yeah, I, I, I want them in order. I want them oh. in order. And I can give you mine because I've actually put a lot of thought into this. And, you know, I would go Sam Bradford number one just because even out of the more modern quarterbacks that we've had, I think if, you know, Sam Bradford wouldn't have gotten hurt. I mean, look at what this man did in the time that he did play here. Like, Sam Bradford could be one of the great, I mean, if not the greatest college football quarterback of all time. Like he was that good and he could have been that good in the NFL. And then additionally for number two, I mean, I would put Baker Mayfield. He's, he did everything for Oklahoma. He, I think transcended that quarterback position for Oklahoma and what we expect from there. And then I would put Kyler Murray and Jalen hurts as your backups. But then at number five, I've got Landry Jones because Landry Jones was just – I know nobody likes Landry Jones just like you don't like Baker Mayfield, but I, I love Landry, and I thought he was a really good serviceable quarterback for OU, and you know maybe if you had just had um, 
a better offense, uh, uh, offensive scheme around him. Uh, you potentially could have had something a little bit better, but that's who I got as my top five OU quarterbacks of all time. And I, I, I mean, I really don't know that's, if I. It's not. A, it's not a bad list. It's not a bad list. I, I, not, I have Jason White and Heupel right on the uh, edge yeah, to make see, it to five. You, you, you. First of all, <laughs> I got to put Josh Heupel in it because he won a national championship. Like he, out of all those quarterbacks you're talking about, he kind of set the tone for this modern, you know, type of offense. So I put him at five. Put Josh Heupel at five. Okay, I put. I mean, believe it or not, I would probably if we're just going modern. Probably put Landry Jones at four just because of the records and everything that he he did and and the the way he was able to uh, um to you know manage everything like that. Um, so probably four. I would put uh, Baker at three just because of again his career, what he's done, stuff like that. Um, actually, I'd probably have a tie at, at five. Kyler, one year, yes, he won the Heisman, everything like that. So I'd probably him and Heupel at five just because of, you know, right there. But number two, I would have Sam Bradford. And number one, the best deep ball thrower of all time, Jason White. So I got Jason White at number one. Now, I could change it for you, though, and make it easier. I could say the quarterback has to play more than one year at the University of Oklahoma because yeah, Kyler and Murray and I Jalen Hurts in that top five because Kyler okay. played two years. Yeah, he just well, didn't he, start he for two years. Okay, one. yeah, yeah, they had to be more than a one-year starter. And if that's the case, right? Because obviously Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray were great quarterbacks. Especially go look at what they did and just how efficient. Yeah. But if they you're were. talking the whole encompassing, you know, that's just kind of yeah. quick, you know, off the off the dome. If I really had time to break it down and. And then it, at that point, about that that five. Yeah, so, at that point, I would so, put if you had to take the the one year starters out, I would put Bradford, Baker, Landry, White, and actually, uh, I might go Holloway. Yeah, if you're talking, if you're talking wishbone quarterbacks, Jamel Holloway is the best wishbone quarterback in the history of college football. Yep. But if you're yeah. talking modern, you know, I'm you know, going 99. I'm going Bob Stoops Ford. <laughs> Personally. Or if you're if you're talking about guys that purely won, Steve Davis lost two games his whole career at OU, won two national championships. You know, yeah, so, yeah, that's mean, a tough one. Yeah, but if you're talking just modern, you know, what what people would mostly remember, yeah, J- and that's Jamel why Hall was up there. J.C. Watts was a heck of a quarterback. I mean, we've had, you know, so many, you know, Jack Mildred back in the day, who started the wishbone for us, stuff like that. I mean, you got. You know, you could put Troy Aikman in. No, <laughs> that's why I don't think you can really use the uh, national championship. Uh, I mean, that can't be your sole factor of putting somebody in there. Yeah, because... but he 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 set the tone for years to come. And Josh for two years. I mean, was that? I don't you know. I don't know. I put him. I, him I in... personally, I don't think it was Josh. I think it was the defense. That's just sure, me. but. 20 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. You got to score points. That was his he Heisman won, trophy and he season. Won the Heisman. Nah, Jay, he not do winking. Jay, we haven't heard from you yet. <laughs> Give us yours. Yeah, man, I was being quiet. Let, y- let y'all go back and forth on it. So me, if I'm gonna go 99 forward, the 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 Bob Stoops era, I agree. I would put I would put Jason White at five. Um, it, he was surgical with his passing ability. He was he was very surgical. It's just his knees needed a lot of surgery too, and that kind of hurt his ability to be even better than what he was. But he didn't win a Heisman. Uh, number four, I would go Jalen Hurts. Um, just the one year of coming here and having the actual opportunity to throw the ball. Whereas Alabama, when he got there, they weren't really a throwing team yet. Absurd. And as you can see, what he's doing in the NFL, they should have let him throw years ago. He should have been the one that ushered in the throwing era instead of Tua, but I digress. Um, number three, I'm going to give it to Kyler Murray um, just because he was he is hands down the greatest athlete. Statistically, he's absurd. His ability was absurd. Um, and he did great here. It's, we just didn't have a defense. Uh, number two, I would definitely give it to Baker. Um, and then Sam Bradford was my number one. And the only reason why I don't have Hypel in there before is Hypel did a great job of maintaining things and doing it and leading the way. That defense was absurd. That 20 touchdown, 15 interception ratio was just a little too high for me to want to put him in the top five. But I do have him at number six. 
Now, Landry Jones, I thought Landry Jones was solid, but Landry Jones was a product of Josh Heupel's um, recruiting. Tempo, yeah. And he he wasn't a, he wasn't a world beater like everybody else we had. Heupel was, a, was enough of a world beater. He could make things happen. Same thing with Jason White. Uh, hell, Rent Bomar. Y'all remember him? Oh, oh that God. man should have been way more than what he was. <laughs> he was one of the highest rated players we'd ever recruited, too. That makes even worse. Number five or six. Yeah. Oh, gross. Rhett Bomar. Um, but, no, going through the going through all of them, I, I put Hypo at six right behind White, but him and White were absurd. Just, but just the, the sheer numbers well, that the other guys really put up. Y'all just – the disrespect for Jason White is unbelievable between y'all two. How could you have that man at five? The best deep ball thrower – Ever in his I like I like Sam. I like Baker. Baker's the most accurate quarterback we've ever had. Mm. Um Kyler is the best runner. Jalen was a dual threat. The unfortunate thing is he did a lot best more runner? running than he should have. Mm, I don't know. So, I, would put, I would put I would put Jamel Holloway and JC Watts up there too. Did okay, they really so, throw the ball back then? That's what I'm saying. Runner, you said runner. Okay, so I said Jay, dual give threat. Us your best non one year quarterback. Because I actually got to thinking about it, and there's a lot of one-year quarterbacks at Oklahoma. So yeah, yeah, they, one, they, they, yeah, Tyler Murray, hands down. Yeah, so give us your best non-one-year starter quarterback top five list. One that's that's oh, so so I I've got to eliminate Hurts. So Hertz. they got to start more than one season. So Hurts yeah. and Kyler Hertz, are out. Hurts, Kyler, uh, Troy Aikman's out too. I think at that point, right? Yep, Troy's Aikman's out. out. Yep. yep. Um. So number one remains Sam Bradford. Uh, number two would be Baker still. Um, I'd move White to three, uh, Hypo to four. Um, and I'm trying to think who else has actually started more than one season. You could probably have to be either Nate Hibble or Landry Ooh, Jones. I'd probably put Landry there. That is a very underrated quarterback right there. Yeah, Nate Hibble was terrible. He's very underrated. The dude won a Rose Bowl. Give him okay, what about, what about what about Cody Thomas? I did too. Y'all gonna forget yeah, about Cody Thomas Bowl, or Dean Blevins? Or Sugar Bowl. What about Dean Blevins? Y'all gonna forget about him? JC Watts. Dean Blevins was a backup, so. What about Javis, uh JC Watts? JC was up. I already mentioned JC. The congressman, man. I'm 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 post ninety nine on mine. Yeah. <laughs> post ninety nine. That's what I'm If you're talking about other quarterbacks, I can get my We're going dad. further back than yeah, the conversation gets way more convoluted. There's a lot more things, more factors to put in there. Oh yeah, like Holloway is it? I mean, he's the the, the best. <laughs> wish won a, quarterback. He won a national championship as a true freshman. Like they had a good defense too, but I mean that offense was that wishbone offense, and you had guys like you know unbelievable you know talent on you know running that, and it was just yeah, he was the perfect guy to run the wishbone. Now, where does Spencer Rattler rank in the top ten for you guys? Does he rank in the top ten at all? Of OU quarterbacks? He's right there on the cut line. What about Caleb Williams? One year tar- starters? Yeah, he's up there. He's, he's right there on the Easily. cut line. Now, if Caleb Williams would have taken OU to win a national championship next year, or last year, oh, where, yeah, where would you put him? Top five at that point? Nah, I wouldn't put him top five. Even if he won a national championship last year? National championships are team awards, um, and yeah, I've but always Caleb was I'm, a Caleb was a single handed uh, win last year. I mean, if yeah. it wasn't for Caleb Williams, we well, I mean, he was this year for USC too. Yeah, and he was there for USC too. But that yeah. comes limited. That's the reason why it's very hard to do that. Now, yeah. I mean, he he's he's not Cam Newton. Let's put it like that. Yet, he won't be. He's not going to be Caleb. <laughs> oh, yeah, Cam. He's he's, he's, he's not, not Cam. Cam, he's Cam not is a one man. Was a one man wrecking crew for the whole season. Caleb has NFL talent around him. Cam had one NFL player on the defensive side. And that tells you everything you need to know about the way that he performed in that season. It was absurd how good he was. Yeah. It was, it was a video game. It was a video game. It's like you would do on NCAA. You have your quarterback to do everything. Hey, here's a trivia question for y'all Which OU quarterback has the most wins in school history? Landry Jones. Yep. 39. Landry Jones holds all like almost all the records. Yep. Yeah, that was an indictment on the uh recruiting ability of the coaching staff at that time. Well, that you honest. had sure handed Ryan Broyles 
to catch caught everything. Nope, hundred percent right. Him and Kenny Steele's that one-two punch right there was was pretty pretty darn good. So what's harder? What's what's a harder conversation? Greatest OU quarterbacks or greatest OU wide receivers? Hardest you talking about like like the hardest like, list to compile? Using? Yeah, hardest list to compile because OU's had some pretty damn good wide receivers. <laughs> running backs and wide receivers, receivers will be a lot harder than quarterbacks. Yeah, wide receivers are a lot harder to compile. Yeah, honestly, I don't think the running backs are that hard. <laughs> I think the running, running backs, backs are not hard. No, yeah, I think because the you running got so backs... many. But receiver, you have to. You know, You'd almost have to do it modern era because we didn't throw the ball until the nineties. So <laughs> that's why I say it's hard with running backs too, is because yeah. back then with all the running that they was doing, you had a lot of guys that you have guys that in the modern era putting up numbers kinda like the guys back in the, the wishbone era. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean who yeah. who doesn't put Adrian Peterson up there at the top? Yeah, Adrian Peterson is number one. I think you look at it and go Billy Sims number two. I really like Billy Sims at number three. I'd put Demarco Murray. Number four, I go P Ooh, Ryan. I got number four. I go um, P Ryan, and then at number five, uh, I go Joe Washington. I think I, I I think the running backs are pretty simple. I mean, Steve Owens is still on this list to, to talk yep. about. Uh, Quentin Griffin, yeah, <laughs> Quentin Griffin was pretty good. <laughs> uh, hell, even Demond Parker, Tulsa boy. Go book yeah, I, I really like Joe Washington, and I really like Billy Sims. I think it's hard to leave those guys out. I mean, you and still then, have you still have Greg Pruitt, Thomas Lott. I mean, there's still some some great. There's so there. many names. Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking at the top twenty in yards, I'm just like, good God, we had Oklahoma's had. I mean, some you got to put good running back. I mean, if you're if you're strictly just going off of stats, Samaj P. Ryan's got to be. At the top. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I, I have P Ryan at number three because I I mean statistically he was I think one of our best. He actually he is our best quarterback in terms of yardage. I mean not by much. You know he's four yards more uh, than Billy I Sims. Mean, you, but you've got you've got him. I mean he's beat he beat Billy Sims by three yards. So you got yeah, Billy but Sims. and he and and he had to do it on a lot more attempts, almost a hundred more attempts. Yeah, and well Billy's got more. I mean Steve Owens has the touchdowns, fifty-seven. Steve Owens also has the 100-yard games at 23. Yep. But you've got P. Ryan, Sims, Joe Washington, Adrian Peterson. I would not have Adrian Peterson number one. So. Really? Really? Because yeah. if Adrian I would. Peterson – He's, he's at that rookie, that freshman record. He he was a true freshman out there putting up 1,000-yard season. Yeah, I would too if I had that offensive line. Yeah, you got to remember, like, Peterson did the blue shirt in the spring before it was cool. The, in, 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 in the fall yeah. camp, yep. <laughs> it was don't the you Adrian. don't you don't had, even breathe and then on. Marco actually had the red jersey with the blue numbers in spring too. I remember that. Now, DeMarco's Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson rushed for nineteen hundred yards as a freshman. That man could have been a six or seven thousand yard rusher if he would have stayed at Oklahoma for four. If years. he wasn't, if he didn't get hurt, well, if he, he didn't have those he injuries hurt, because he, he was carrying a team when. When Sam got hurt. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine in 08 a team with DeMarco Murray and Adrian Peterson and Sam Bradford? Oh, my gosh. That would have been incredible. Yeah. I just – I try to imagine some of these teams sometimes that are just like, what were like what was Adrian hey, Peterson doing? Another guy to not overlook, but certainly not in the, in the top – probably in the top ten, but a guy who had three over 1,000-yard seasons – Kennedy Brooks ended up with a pretty nice career at OU. Not saying that he's yeah. top ten; he's right there in the on the cusp. But another guy who had a who gets often overlooked now. I mean, obviously fresh out, out of the out of his career, but yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know which one of you said Joe Mixon. And I, I Joe Mixon was good two years, two thousand yards total. I just yeah, I don't wise, yeah talent wise. Like I think he could have. I don't know. Like, I just don't see him being any better than the top five out there. I mean, because you even no, talk about it. No, he's certainly not top ten. You got Steve Owens, Quentin Griffin. I mean, DeMarco Murray. I mean, it. like, he was well, he so still serviceable. Has the, he has the touchdown record overall, all purpose. So. Yeah, I mean, DeMarco Murray was just, I mean, really. And like I said, P. Ryan was, I, I, I think, just incredible. I loved watching P. Ryan. Yep. That was fair. So, well. Let's go ahead and wrap it up because 
we all got videos to make as early signing day approaches. So y'all got to make sure to tune into everybody else's channel. But Drew, go ahead and tell them where they can find you and then we'll let Jay go. Yeah, our YouTube channel, the Underofficial Review Podcast. Me and my buddy Zach Merrill, we talk all things college football. Obviously, we get into OU and then some Ohio State stuff, as, as Zach is a big Ohio State fan. But you can find us on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, hit us up. Uh, we're a growing channel. We need those comments, subscriptions, views, all that good stuff. So uh, we appreciate the support, and we love talking college football. Yes, yeah, Sam, you can find me, Jay Smith, over at Unfair Sports. Just search for us on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, we'll be talking a lot about signing day as well. Videos galore. So as you want to get all your content information around national signing, well, the early signing days of the 21st to 23rd, join my channel as well as PG, as well as Drew. We're going to be busy. So we'll be hey, turning them out. Hey, another one, too. Shameless plug for our boy around the sports, uh, Ty, uh, or around the table sports, uh, Ty Hayes. He'll be doing – he might be doing a live stream tomorrow for signing day and stuff like that. So, uh, he has a lot of great content too. So, No, Ty's yeah, dead guys to open. me. He came to Oklahoma and didn't come to visit me. So, Ty's dead to me. <laughs> but, hey, if you all made it this far, just go ahead, hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, as we've said it many times, uh, it's completely free to you guys to hit that like button, but it means the world to us. So, go ahead, do that. Go hit the subscribe on Drew's podcast as well. Let's get his follower count up to 500 before the end of the year. So, But thank you guys for watching. Be looking out for some more videos this week. And we'll see you guys next time.